Pastor Mike, good afternoon and welcome to the latest in our Village Hall series, which today comes from a magical part of the island, Beth. It really does. Some say Dolby, others say Dorby, but anyway you say it, that's where we are. We're going to be finding out about the history of this place, there's a little bit of folklore, maybe we're going to meet Jeff the Mongoose, I don't know. And I can smell bacon going on, there is soda cakes being created right behind us as I speak, which I can't wait to try as well. But first, our sole starter. Abbey Dental, sponsors of Late Lunch for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. All I can ever be Master Mai, good afternoon and welcome to Dorby Village Hall. We are here, we're standing outside at the moment. It is beautiful down here. If you happen to be in the area, well worth popping in. Not least because there's a lot of soda cakes being baked inside, Beth. Which you have already sampled. I have. Do you mm. know what? It's my first ever soda cake Was experience. It? You weren't slow going in, so it, love. tasty. Hey? <laughs> uh, we're just standing outside the door just to take in the beautiful garden they've got here. I wish I knew more about flowers and uh, could name some of them for you, but they are just gorgeous. This is a magical part of the world uh, we're going to be finding out more about that a little bit later but I think we should go in we should and meet in. some of the people as we continue our village hall series here we are in the west of the island uh, so this is Dolby Village Hall and attached to St James's Church you can see all of the video as well of this by the way we should say it is being streamed live so uh, we'll say hello to everybody who's baking hello everybody hello, everybody. hello. oh there's a lot of activity going. we came in uh, over an hour ago now and they were already baking up an absolute storm there are there must be hundreds of soda cakes here i want to try and get through all of them beth well i think uh, you've made a good start but uh, let's find out a little bit about the history of where we are today and cheryl cousins how are you i'm good thank you and um, what's your connection to dolby village hall then um it's been my life for years. <laughs> we can't remember when this started but it was in the mid 80s mid 80s we think um and at the time i was potter running a craft center downstairs and there was a public meeting because they discovered dry rot um, throughout the building, upstairs particularly, but it went right through the building. And there were only three 80-year-old people still worshipping here. Um, so there's no money. And there's a public meeting to close the building. And about 30 people turned up, which was unbelievable in those days. And at the end of that meeting, I discovered I was a coordinator for Friends of St. James's. <laughs> and I was in my 20s. So, um, yeah. And I've been here ever since. And it's seen a, a great deal of change, not yeah. least in the past sort of year or so when the, the downstairs has been developed. And so much happens here. Just give us a flavour. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a community centre. So we've got a definite understanding here that um, it's church and community. And most of the time we don't know where the two end, one ends and the other starts. Um, but people know that there's no heavy evangelism going on if they come and um, a part of what happens in the schoolrooms, um, then that's the community hub, really. And the same people help me set up for church services with love. And so, yes, uh, there's loads going on. Um, it's very much a centre for the village. It's used by a wide range of people. Um, we have... Initially, I suppose it started as fundraising activities to, to try and deal with the dry rot. So we started 30-something years ago um, with one event every month, 
and we've done that for the last 30 something years. And it certainly has grown since yeah. then. And Cheryl's being very humble here because I've been given a list of the various things that Cheryl's involved with from Margie, who we're going to speak to in just a moment. I'm just going to read them out. So, local minister, she's meditation, art classes, hub coordinator, website and email coordinator, gardener, mums and tots coordinator, and I would imagine many more things beside you. Clearly, a very, very busy person, Cheryl. Uh, we're also joined by Beryl, uh, who uh, we, you were there in the very early days of setting up the Friends yes. of St. James as well. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you remember from that time. Well, I remember the place being in a bad state and, uh, and discussing what we were going to do about it, whether they would close the church or... And we managed to uh, um, arrange to set up the Friends of St. James. And since then, it's just gone from one to another really and you've been very much a part of this this community for many years and I, I believe you were part of the Glam, you ran the Glamay post office is that right tell us about that oh that well uh, unfortunately it's closed now but um, I had I loved it there and I really enjoyed myself and I used to come up here to church you know um, now I <laughs> I'm living in Peel and it's not quite so easy for me to get out because I'm not driving any longer. But, um, but you still coordinate the Wist Drive yeah. and she, Beryl's done that for years. Wist Drive's gone on longer than the Friends of St James's. None of us know when the Wist Drive started. So, um, yeah, she's still very involved. And actually we were talking to you about the Wist Drive before and you said it can be quite competitive. <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes it is, but... Uh, on the whole, it's a friendly meeting, and uh, it, we have a cup of tea and a piece of homemade cake and a sandwich in the, the interval, uh, plus a raffle. Um, we do it once a month on the second Tuesday, and so, you know, we, we like to see anybody here that comes, but um, really, the, nowadays, the younger people don't seem to play cards like we did, as, you know, but... Uh, we, we enjoy ourselves here. The first time I came up, um, I was sitting having tea at the table with the four of us around the table and talking to the lady next to me. And she said, where did I come from? And I said, I came from London. And she said, what part? And it turned out she lived in the next road to me. <laughs> when <laughs> and we went to the same school, but she was uh, several years older than I was. So we didn't know each other from that. But, you know, I felt... You know, I was coming home, sort of thing. It's lovely, and it does seem to have that real sort of community and connected feel here in that respect. Well, I think we use the word hub quite a lot, and I don't think anywhere sort of personifies that better than here, because from young to old, there is something going on uh, in Dolby for uh, for people. And uh, Margie Killia, what I love about anybody who's connected with them, with this place is that you don't just have one role. You are Friends of St. James's coordinator, baker and maintenance coordinator. <laughs> mm, yes. Uh, we, we all bake. We all bake. I was just saying to someone before, when anyone new moves into the village, one of the first questions is, um, do you bake? Because... <laughs> um, most of all our events are homemade cooking. Uh, everything's homemade, so the more people we get to bake with us, the better. As you can see today, we've got a good crowd of bakers with us. And of course, it is the home of the World Bonnet Championships as well. Are there yeah. any secrets that you're going to yeah. let us have? All our secrets are in our book. <laughs> is, this a, is this a book that people can look at, or is this... Oh, a, a slice of Dorby. 
It's the best kukri book in the world. Can we just clarify the pronunciation of Dolby? It is Dolby, not Dolby. Yes, it's Dolby. Yeah. Some of the historic um, photographs, it's actually spelled D-A-W-B-Y. Oh, is it yeah. really? And there's, there's one photograph which has um, the Balakalan village rather than Dolby village. That's quite an old one. So, wow. I'd, yeah, but D-A-W. Now we know. We do, and we'll be finding out much more about this town and also uh, we'll be speaking to James Franklin from Culture Vannon as well about uh, the various uh, histories and stories around a certain talking mongoose. The Dorby Spook. later as well, the Dorby Spook, exactly. But uh, when we did our, our uh, Village Hall series from Arbury, we started with a particular piece of music by the Kinks, which seemed to work extremely well, the Village Green Preservation Society. So let's have a different version of it now. You like this lady, don't you, Beth? I really do, Kate Rusby. Kate Rusby, a perfect song that sums up this Village Hall series. If you head to the Max Radio Facebook page, we are now live on there. And uh, I am standing next to a table where we've got Eileen next to some griddles and we've got Anne with a rolling pin in her hand. Uh, and just, just tell us about soda cakes, because as I said earlier, this is the first time I've ever experienced a soda cake. What makes good soda cake? What makes it? Well, it's the combination of the ingredients and the work that goes into it and the way you cook it. And the best soda cakes are sold at Dolby. Oh, there you go. And they're stacking them up here. Eileen, the thing I found very interesting about this is the way that they're cooked. On the griddle? Yeah. Yes. I expect they'd be baked, but no. No, they don't go in an oven. They're cooked on the griddle on the top. How many soda cakes do you think you have made? Because I think there must be 100 here just today. (laughs) I've lost count. I don't know. (laughs) Is there a secret? It's mother's recipe. When I was a child growing up, we lived on a farm. The baker came once a week. And to supplement that, Mum made soda cakes. And this is the rest soda cake recipe. And is it is it buttermilk or is it what what's good? Oh no, buttermilk. Manx flour, Manx soda bread flour and buttermilk. Lovely. And it's a very different thing to a bonnig, isn't it? <laughs> well yes, it's flat and it's cooked on the griddle. A bonnig is cooked in the oven. Yeah. yeah. Well, these are marvellous, I have to say. Like I said, we were able to sample some earlier. And uh, how can how can other people outside of this get hold of your Dorby soda cakes? In the Dorby book. In the Dorby book. The recipe's in the Dorby book. There you go. So they can make them themselves, Beth, or they could always come down here and purchase them if they like or try them at one of the, uh, the open days. I would definitely opt for that option rather than uh, you or I trying to bake one. I mean, maybe we should give it a go at some point, Christy. Uh, I am now with Nikki and Jilly, and we've got a, a really interesting collection of uh, articles and photographs here, Nikki. Just to first of all tell us what your connection to here is. I'm basically the uh, advertiser and Facebook coordinator and basically I run the World Bonnig Championships as well. Oh, so you're the person to speak to about that. We'll come to that a little bit later. Jilly, what do you do? Uh, Well, I help uh, do the bookings for the hub downstairs, which is our new hostel and exhibition area. I'm renting it out for anybody who wants to stay there. Really excited about going to see that, actually. This will be available on the podcast, so we'll take a, a video tour down there. But it's a wonderful, wonderful space. And that's, it is still fairly new, isn't it, Jenny? Oh, it is. It's only just recently opened. We've had one unofficial official guest. So that was a surprise visit from the tourist board. That was excellent. And we've had uh, two real guests staying. We've got a few bookings coming up. Plenty of room vacancy still. Anybody want TT? <laughs> Come and see us. That'll be great. What a place to stay in TT, oh. especially because there are 
TTTs, Nikki, aren't they? <laughs> As you just happened to mention, yes, we sort of run on Mad Sunday. Uh, we like to sort of advertise it as a little oasis of calm in the madness that happens on <laughs> TT Week. We start at uh, half ten in the morning with bacon baps, go through soup and sandwiches through the day, and of course there's lashings of cake, coffee, tea, as much as anybody can manage. And we're sort of getting to the point where a lot of the bikers are now remembering that we're here and coming over on a regular basis. And speaking of the bikers and Bonnigs, all in one sentence, <laughs> there's a very interesting champion of the World Bonnig Championships this year. There is very much so, yes, Dan Sale. Uh, we were so chuffed when he won this year. It was, I mean, he could just couldn't stop grinning from ear to ear. And I think Kiri said he actually went home to sleep with the trophy that night. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say no more about that. But I mentioned this collection of photographs and articles. How wonderful to document just how far you've come with this place. Oh, yes. I mean, we sort of... Some of the articles go back sort of well into sort of the early 90s, um, just sort of trying to keep the you know, press coverage, little things that we did. Um, we've got things like the, the World Bonnage Championships, obviously. Um, we've got photographs here of uh, different events. We did Wild West sort of May Day Fair. Um, we did, did theme nights. Uh, we've even got photographs here of uh, originally back in 92, 93, just before my husband and I got married here, uh, we had to decorate the church for our wedding. Uh, not flowers and ribbons, it was strip the paint off first. Uh, there's a photograph of my mother-in-law Beryl here ripping up the carpet. <laughs> uh, it was well and truly get stuck in if you want to get married here and it just gave the whole community an incentive because nobody had been married here for 10 years previous because they had to get a special license. Um, we've had quite a few weddings since and it's sort of uh, now a lot easier to get married here because it's the whole church is just it just gives you a whole little sense uh, a special feeling to the wedding day oh it is just a magical place we're going to be talking much more about it but for now we'll take a short break oh i love that song so much so does beth and beth was singing along to nilson there that is uh, everybody's talking at me covered uh, if you remember beth by everything but the girl as well they was it a lovely the version of was that? It? Was it I, so. I thought it was Beautiful South. Oh, Beautiful South. I, I got some idiot. music knowledge right. <laughs> oh, you're right. Quite it excited. was Beautiful South. Uh, I'll we, leave it to you. Yeah, we are live from Dorby this afternoon as part of our Village Hall series. And we've been talking about the, the recent years, if you like, and the renovation that's gone on here. But Margie Killia, your dad went to school here. Yes, his whole family went to school here. They actually lived in Belelby there. And I th there was um, 11 of them originally, and they all... The survivors went to school here, yes. So this was the actual schoolroom in where we're standing it, now? It's two rooms. There was uh, two classes because um, of the dividers. Um, and we've been to the museum and we've looked at the history of the schoolroom and um, the diary of the schoolmaster. And it's very, very interesting because they um, mentioned that um, on certain days in the winter, the temperature dropped so low that the schoolmaster closed the school and sent the children home. And on one occasion, he came in and a window had blown in and he sent the children home. And also, they were given holidays for set and potatoes. The children had a set and potatoes holiday and a pick and blackberries holiday. So, because blackberries obviously were a staple part of their you know, if they made jam, they had something in, so um, blackberry picking was a holiday. And um, there's, there's quite a lot of interesting uh, notes in the diary, things like the children had um, a day off to watch the um, soldiers march past to do exercises up on Dorby Mountain, and really lots of very interesting. They even had a, f uh, a 
set to with the director because the school and the church lived next to each other. That very doorway, on one of his notes in his diary, he's in a right rallying because he says the clasp between the schoolroom and the church has been broken and that's the no more than the next day. It was the rector who broke the lock between the church and the schoolroom. And he says he'll do it again if we lock it. So, you know, it wasn't all plain sailing, but it was very, very interesting what went on here. Do you know when it stopped being a school? Yes, I do, but I can't remember. Was it Hang on, mid-30s? I'm just going to run over to yeah. with the yeah, microphone. Yeah, mid-30s. Mid-30s, I think. Yeah. Wow, isn't that incredible? Great it's truth. just a wonderful... I think there is a little stool, isn't there, or a chair mm-hmm. on the windowsill that's from the original school building. And there's a desk downstairs in the hub, the original school desk downstairs. Oh. And we have some slates from the original school. Oh, wow, have to have a look at those. Yeah, so if you, if you uh, stick around, then uh, we're going to be recording a, a podcast after the programme. We're going to go down and have a look at all of that with Cheryl and uh, Margie as well. But uh, we've also invited uh, James Franklin to come and join us from Culture Vannin uh, because, James, something that uh, we've not yet addressed is, should I say, the spook in the room. Uh, we are at Dorby, of course, and there's a very, was potentially, possibly, a very famous resident. Indeed, the Dolby Spook, no less. Also known as Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Which now has uh, created a whole blog as a result of that. But uh, So tell us a little bit about what you know about how this whole story came about, and then we're going to hear a clip of someone talking about it. Well, the whole story came from the appearance of a talking mongoose up at Dawlish Cashin, which is a farm up on the hills here between here and Glen May. And there's a family of three people up there, and this thing started talking to them from behind the walls. You talk about it as if this was a very real... <laughs> that was very factually yeah, it delivered. it was very factually delivered. Now, I contacted you about this a few days ago and you sent me to a wonderful interview with David Collister and uh, a chap by the name of Alec Caron. What do we know about Alec Caron? That he was a good local dormy man who came to the school where we are now standing. Fantastic. Well, I've taken a tiny little bit of it, which will give you a rough idea of what Alec thought about the whole Talking Mongoose story. And will also give you an insight into his relationship with Vori, who I think was very possibly the voice of the mongoose. Let's hear that now. Vori threw on a voice, that's all it was. A lot of people say that's all it was. It was. I'm, I guarantee that's all it was. I mean to say, uh, my guarantee may not be much, but... It was that all it was. Did you ever get to know Vori yourself? Vori? Yeah. I went to school with Vori. Yeah. And she was just an ordinary girl. But, you see, Mr and Mrs Irvin struck on the idea, that is only my knowledge of it, struck on the idea that they could make a pound or two out of it, you see. And Jeff, the Derby spook, talking about The so-good mongoose, yes, yes. He was bringing rabbits to the door. This was all coming out when they were... Mr. and Mrs. Irvin were talking to my mother in the cafe. Yes. So there's ever been no evidence you know of a mongoose actually being about? Oh, no, 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 no. None whatsoever. Has there ever been a talking mongoose? I've never heard one of you. No. No, not lately at all. But, however, it got very much media publication. Yeah. And as I say, those influential people used to come and stop with Mr. and Mrs. Brighton here and trek up at night time about a couple of miles up the rugged road and sit in the house and listen to what he throw in a voice. That was wonderful. Now, that was only just a tiny little snippet there, James. Uh, where can people hear that full interview with Alec? 
on the Culture Vanning website, of course. Well, we'll post the links to that on our blog. Uh, and uh, like I said, uh, this, as we said before, this is a gentleman who was from this area. And in fact, we have one of his relatives here. Yeah, I'm with uh, Eileen Jones, who's known as the chief soda cake maker who we did hear from <laughs> earlier. Um, sorry if that offends anybody else. That's just what I had on my notes. Um, but Eileen, you were Alec's sister-in-law? Alec Cadden, yes. And did he talk a lot about the Dorby spook? Uh, <laughs> only when he was asked, really, yeah. yeah. But it is, it is a thing. Does, I mean, do we all believe that there is something in it? Do you believe? Well, I like to believe it. I think I would like to believe it. <laughs> no, I'm not into spooks and fairies. <laughs> oh. Speaking of fairies, though, yeah, there's, uh, there's an interesting story with that, isn't there? There is, yeah. So, uh, still with James Franklin here from Got to Vanit, and you mentioned that actually this whole area, there are fairies everywhere, aren't there? Oh, yeah, it's the Isle of Man, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, and there's a very good person who recorded a lot of these things from this area, and so there's no end of stories of mermen and ghosts and witches and fairies all around here. And so you could take, you know, metres, you could take a walk and stop every few metres and tell a different story. And it's one of those things that does sort of set us apart to a certain extent. And as we just heard in that clip with Alec Caron, it turned us into something of a, a media hub, didn't it? A media hive, because this, certainly the talking mongoose, became internationally famous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's worthwhile saying that the Irvings never made a penny off it. And so this Manx um, idea of the Dorby spook making money didn't happen. Which is, so Alex was suggesting it, it was a, a money-making proposition, but no then. Nope, there was really a, a, a spook up there and they were really reporting it. He's convinced, I love it. I'm convinced, <laughs> you've convinced me, James. I'm, I'm there, I'm absolutely I think, there. I think after the show we should maybe go looking for <gasps> Jeff. Can we? That's Shall such we? a good idea. Or some fairies. Okay, well, we'll do that. But uh, we've got plenty more conversation to have here. We're going to be talking about the poetry map with Joe Overty shortly as well. So do stay with us, but we'll be back with you just after this. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to Oh, gosh, it's a badly drawn boy, <laughs> that was. Uh, we are live from Dorby this afternoon as Sorry, part of our Village Hall series. That's because you've been eating too much soda cake. That's what happens. You could be right. Um, yeah. Do we actually know, James Franklin, what Niabal means? Yes, Niabal means tail. And so it's referring to that one bit of land going out into the sea. And traditionally, that shoreline was called the Dorby Shore. Ah, you see, he does know an awful lot. And it is undoubtedly a beautiful part of the world. Joe Overty is with us this afternoon. And uh, Joe, just remind people what your role is. I'm the project officer for UNESCO Biosphere Isle of Man. And just how special is it around here then? Well, Niabal is, um, you know, well known for a, a tourist hotspot. Most people on the Isle of Man find their way down here, but perhaps fewer people know that it is actually one of the island's 10 marine nature reserves, newly designated last year, just under five kilometres, a very small marine nature reserve, but it has lots of very special species, including one incredibly special species, the oldest animal in the world. Which is? A mongoose? Is. is it a mongoose? It is not a mongoose, unfortunately. It is the Iceland clam, uh, not from a well-known supermarket of the same name, but actually <laughs> probably originally from the country of Iceland. I would imagine and it is known to live up to 507 years old and there's also something quite interesting about the, the geology of this area as well yeah Cheryl's the expert on that but I believe that at one stage it was taken to have broken off from America and so that you're technically standing in two continents at the same time if you're standing on just down the road from here so who needs to go on holiday <laughs> see I didn't know about that so we will talk to Cheryl about that yeah. after the show but uh, another reason that you're here is something that we've briefly touched on on the program previously uh, is this poetry map now it seems to me like Dorby and Yarble would be a brilliant place to perhaps Ooh. feel in inspired to Although write poetry. very difficult to make Niabal rhyme, surely. 
Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Well, first of all, Joe, just remind <laughs> us what, what this poetry competition is. So the Poetry Map is a collaboration between us, Culture Van and the Manx Bard. We are inviting people to visit their favourite places, to be inspired to write a poem about it, or to go and explore somewhere new and write a poem about it. And somebody quite famous has written a poem about this area. Indeed. Um, one, a former resident of the Isle of Man is a well-known lady called Pam Ayres, who many people will remember uh, winning a talent competition in the 1970s called Opportunity Knox, which is as, as was as famous then as, as the X Factor is famous now. Um, and she lived in the Isle of Man in the late 70s and 80s. Um, she was, she you know, really, really loved living here. She's moved away now. Um, but she had written a poem about Niarbal, which she has allowed us to include on the poetry map. So you've been actually liaising with Pam Ayres. Yeah, I just thought I'm going to email her and see if she has any fond memories of the Isle of Man or a poem and she, she offered it back and uh, she's really happy for it to be published on the map. She's, she's told us that she was actually um, lovelorn when she wrote this poem. She used to come courting down to Niarbal oh. and then the relationship broke up very, very sadly and oh. so she wrote this very mo- melancholic poem about Niarbal and how it made her feel sad every time she came back. Oh, it is beautiful though, I have to say. And it is, you can read it now, can't you, if you go to the poetry map? Yeah. Absolutely. If you go to uh, entries to the poetry competition of either Biosphere website, so it's Biosphere Isle of Man uh, forward slash poetry map, um, the actual poems themselves are hosted on Culture Van in website, which I think has a very similar URL, Culture Van in forward slash poetry underscore map. Um, and we're building up already. We only launched a couple of weeks ago a really nice collection of maps from all around the island and three so far about Niarbal. So it obviously does inspire people. I think it really does. And I don't like putting people on the spot, as you know, Christy, but James Franklin just happens to have this poem in his hand. Would you mind reading it for us? Um, Yep, I can well, I'll do the first verse, maybe. It's, it's relatively long. There's a crow cocking in the background, whatever. I'll, I'll ignore that. <laughs> Nyarble Bay, Nyarble Bay, where they gather the seaweed to lay on the land, and oyster catchers, they run on the sand. All I could feel was the touch of your hand on Nyarble Bay. Oh, that's beautiful. And you know what, James, though? I know that that's a very heartfelt poem, obviously from a very personal place, but we've spoken to you quite recently about the fact that poetry has been a brilliant way of getting the message out about the Isle of Man, culturally, landscape-wise, and in every sort of way, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's very much something which is open to everyone to write a poem or to read a poem or to enjoy it. It's very much a direct reaction to this place which means so much to all of us. And that's really, I think, the key that we found, Christy, with this Village Hall series in in general, is that everywhere that we've visited so far means so much to the people who are connected to it, either historically or on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I know, I mean, I've been here myself for the Mums and Tots group. have to say, Cheryl, what a great place to be on a cold winter's day when that fire's going. Mums and Tots. Yes, yes. It's it's one of those things that when we started, everybody said to me that, Cheryl, we only have one tot in the village. (laughs) And we get about 45 people to it it's the food is always very good actually it's a, like a, it's a lovely bring and share yes, environment yes. and it's just lovely and I think you said something earlier about um, when people move into the village and the idea of having somewhere here where they can go regardless of of what it is they're into is, is so important it's a meeting point and um, I said earlier on that we started with fundraising what we were aware of is that actually people needed to just gather and so we started, we've started a number of things. Mums and Tots was one of them, the Soup Stops another, um, the Film Afternoons and the Sunday Papers were all points where we, we literally said no agenda. These are just meeting points, um, initially for the village. And then we've got sort of like a wider group of people who come who like the ad hoc way that things are running Dorby, I think. But um, so we've got quite a large group now, email group. 
of people we contact for events and they turn up for the meeting points as well. So it's like an extended community. Which is beautiful. So you mentioned the Sunday papers. Do people literally just come here to, to read them? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yes, we're so studious and then we debate. <laughs> Not. Um, what happens is it, it was a carbon saving initiative which we started about seven, eight years ago. Julie is our coordinator and Kevin um, are the coordinators for that. Um, the idea is to stop people from having to um, go through to Peel individually to buy their papers. Um, two people from, from the village are allocated the role each week and um, they'll go and collect their papers and their partner will light the fire and put the coffee on. So we come down to collect our paper which has been prepaid at the newsagent and then we sit around and talk for a couple of hours over very strong fair trade coffee. Oh, a fair trade. There's a good yes. point to, to yeah. raise. It is a good point to raise. We've got Anne here Anne, yes. and Anne, you've been very much sort of involved in the fair trade element. We've got a wonderful shop over here. It's gone very well, hasn't it? Yes, it has gone very well. There's another lady who's really in charge, Pam Gorst, but I do help her and we collect the fair trade from Margaret Newton and... Um, we sell loads of coffee and loads of um, baking things. Wish we could sell a little bit more, but we have some now in the shop downstairs. And so, um, yeah, we're able to uh, make more money than we did last year. And it's, you've raised a, a huge amount. I know there's a figure on the, the cupboard over there of, of yeah. thousands of pounds worth, which is, is all going to wonderful causes. It's obviously quite important to you, that. Yeah, it is, because we firmly believe that you know, people who grow crops and manufacture things should get um, fair, a fair wage for a fair job. So that's what fair trade is all about. And congratulations to Mark Newton and uh, the others that actually set this up on the island and just being a fair trade island, I think, is very important. It really is. I just want to, to speak to some of the other people who are here who we haven't had a, a big chat with yet, but Priscilla, uh, who has been very busy in the kitchen with her rolling <laughs> pin, uh, just tell us about your connection here. Well, my role mainly is um, Soup Stop, which we started about five or six years ago, I think. And it's every month... Uh, once a month, um, except for July and August. It's the third Wednesday in the month, and we have uh, three or four different kinds of soups, uh, lovely bread, uh, followed by the inevitable... <laughs> Sorry. Cheryl's just bringing to out a toilet roll. Cheryl's <laughs> bringing out a toilet roll, simply because I happen also to be toilet roll monitor. <laughs> it's a very important job, you know. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> anyway, going back to soup stop. <laughs> yes, well, once a month, and, and obviously the soup is followed by the inevitable cakes, coffees, teas, and uh, lots and lots of baking always. And lots really important for you to be a part of this community hub. Oh yes, yes, definitely. It's a great, uh, great community, and it is great fun. Yeah. And we mentioned the films as well. I've got Rosie with us. I, I believe you're involved in the film side of things. What sort of films do you screen? Um, well, it's a, it's a collection of all sorts, really. Um, uh, so, some are uh, as near as, as uh, modern as possible, um, but uh, it, it's great. People come from all around the island, actually, to support us, and they come and enjoy uh, film together, and uh, often discussions afterwards. It, it's, it's really great, yeah.
Oh, well, it's all wonderful. There's so much going on here, you know, such a mix of stuff as well. Well, if we just take a walk to the notice board here, I think that really does just uh, give us an idea of how busy this place is. We mentioned the TTTs. They do start on Saturday, June the 2nd, 10.30 until 4.30. We mentioned uh, meditation, which is something that Cheryl's uh, really involved with. That happens on the 2nd and 4th Thursday in the month from 7.30 until 9pm. What a space to do that sort of thing. Uh, the Dolby Whist Drive, which we have already mentioned, and it could Beryl's get us very good with the whisk drive, you know. Oh, yes, um, <laughs> and they've got the soup start, uh, soup stop, if I can say it properly. Um, just so, so much. But if you do want to find out more, you can sign up to the newsletter that Cheryl was talking about. We'll put the details on the blog. And we haven't even been downstairs yet, Christy. I know. We're going to be having a look downstairs, and so there'll be some video, and also we'll put some audio on the podcast as well. Uh, we do have something a bit special, though, that we want to play out before the end of the show. And uh, James Franklin, we have a, a song that we're going to play out. It's a version by Mira Royal that we're going to hear, a tune that, that she's playing. But just tell us a little bit about this piece of music. Um, this piece of music is called Aran Gelby, which is a Dolby song, and it was collect connected from a mysterious man who we never met, but he just um, rode into um, Dolby Shore and sang this song, but we never heard the words, so all we have is just the tune. And it's been collected, and obviously various people have done it. Ruth Kagan, I think, does a version of it as well, but tell us about this book you've got here. This is a copy of Manon Journal, which was put together by the great Sophia Morrison back in the 1910s. This is from 1913, and this was the first place it was published, this Iran Gelby. Wow, fantastic. You see, you always go to James for wonderful little nuggets of culture and, and importance there. So thanks very much to James Franklin for that one. And Sophia Morrison's birthday on the 24th, I think, is it, James? Yeah, so oh, that's good yes. as well. So, uh, yeah, so I love all these connections here. But so much more to talk about. Do head uh, to the Manx Radio website and the Facebook page where details of the extra podcast where we go and take a look downstairs at the newly refurbished hub. I uh, just want to say thank you so much to everybody here at Dolby who's been so, so welcoming. If you are passing and it's open, do make the effort to come in because uh, some tea will be greeting Follow your you. nose because Follow you can your nose, smell absolutely. the soda cake. It smells fantastic and tastes even better. It really does. It's wonderful. And also uh, thank you to Alex for producing this programme back at Broadcasting House. Matthew Cunningham, our engineer, who's been standing there chained to all the uh, the bits and pieces. And Margie Killier for organising this wonderful group of people for us today. And uh, Ben Hartley for producing the social media. But um, Cheryl, let's uh, come back to you to close uh, this part of the programme. I mean, we can't really encapsulate in just a minute or so just how special this place is but you could give it a go eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really difficult I think it's an extended family for all of us does that sum it up? I think it really does yeah. but I think that's the general sense I have to say there's a lot of women here do you get men in the building? <laughs> <laughs> Only if they remember to take their shoes off <laughs> <laughs> we give them time off. No, um, the Sunday Papers balance is set up, um, and we also have a hub pub downstairs um, once a month, and Ooh. that's another meeting point. So, yes. Uh, and if people want to find out about all the events that are going on here, can they sign up to the newsletter? Well, we don't have a newsletter. Um, we have um, a website, and so they can t contact me if they want um, information about events. We have a group email, so they contact me and ask to be put on that email, cherylcousins.manx.net. And our website is stjamesdorby.org. Wonderful, Cheryl. Thank you so, so much. There is a sign outside letting people know when you're open as well. It's a lovely little sign, so do come on down. Uh, I think it's about time we uh, had a bit of soda cake. 
Beth. Oh yeah, I haven't tea. had any yet. You haven't Greedy. had any yet. I know, I've, I have to admit, I've, oh look, the plate's cleared. I didn't even realise I was doing that, sorry. <laughs> but let's finish with that beautiful tune as played by uh, Mira Royal, harpist for, of course, Young Folk Musician of the Year for the BBC. And uh, we will be back with you on Monday. Let's have a resounding farewell from Dorby Hall. Thank you very much, everybody. Goodbye.